How you doing this morning, church? I'm really honored to be here sharing the word with you this morning. Before I get going, I want to start in prayer, but I want to pray for two particular people. It is Pastor Anthony's birthday today, so let's just give him a, ha- a hand, acknowledge him, and bless him for another year. And our dear brother, Fernando, he's been having some health issues, so we're just going to believe the very best for him right now, and we're going to lift him up in prayer. You ready? Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning, Jesus. I thank you, God, for Pastor Anthony and for another year of life for him, Lord. We bless him, Lord Jesus. We pray, Father God, that this year would bring even more blessings in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I lift up Fernando to you right now, Lord Jesus, and where he needs healing, Father. In agreement right now, in Jesus' name, we agree, Father, that he is receiving his healing, Father. That he is going to be well again in Jesus' name, and that he is going to make a speedy recovery, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this word that's about to be spoken, and I pray, Father God, that faith would be built in this house this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we just saw a really an amazing video. How many people have actually seen Star Wars? I can't really see you. Oh, good. A handful of you have, right? But this is like a pivotal scene, isn't it? The Death Star, it's the size of a planet. It's not like a cruise ship. It's the size of the moon, okay? So there's something. It's, it's an amazing, gigantic, it's like an amalgamation of evil, right? The dark side is there. They're growing. They're powerful. And then we see Luke, and we see the Force, and they're coming, and they're trying to destroy this thing. And it seems like Luke is like, how is he going to do it, <laughs> right? It's like, in all of these movies, though, doesn't it always, it's not a good movie if the good people just completely destroy the bad people in the first five minutes, right? Like, who would be entertained by that? Honestly, you don't see enough, I cannot think of one movie where the good guys start out strong, wipe out like the bad people, and then spend a half hour rejoicing. It's not entertaining, is it? We want to see the battle. We want to see the good trying to do something that seems insurmountable, like they can't win. And then when they do something or they come out with a witty plan or when Luke is guided by the force, we're like, (laughs) they found a way, right? Think of any movie you've ever seen, Lord of the Rings, um, Transformers, all of these movies. And it seems like evil is just growing and bigger, and outnumbers good, and when that movie starts, it seems like we can't see how good could possibly win, right? Normally, I start my messages with trying to share a personal story, with trying to relate to what I'm trying to share, but today, I don't think I need to do that, because I think today, we're all aware that this world is extremely broken. With what happened in France, with 80-some-odd people getting killed, with what's happened in this country with police shootings, with other mass shootings at the, at the Pulse nightclub and all of these things. I don't need to tell you that I think it feels in this world what we saw in that clip right now. It feels like evil is getting bigger. And I don't think sometimes we can see how good can surmount it, right? We're in a place where we need to have a change, where we need to have a pivotal moment in our faith. But what happens? I know that the more I see of these things, the more I'm having a hard time dealing with it, right? But what do we do as Christians sometimes? One thing that happens, we can stand in faith, right? We can be like, oh, everything's going to be good. We're going we're gonna, to you know, rally around it. Everything's going to be fine. Two things happen the following week, and we're going, okay, well, what's going on? And then something else happens, and then I see something on Google. And what happens is eventually... We've got ourselves in this nice, cute little corner where we're going, 
Yeah, it's still going on. Everybody, let's pray and stay here and expect that God's going to change something. Let me check Google. Ah! They've made another immoral choice. I can't ever leave this place. What am I going to do? And what we do is we have our death ball, and we carry it around with us. And it's cute. It doesn't really hurt me that much yet. Look, it lights up. It's distracting. If I were to come and talk to you like a regular person on the street, and I just had this, and I was just like, hey, I'm Steve. How are you? You're going to be like, good. <laughs> are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. No, no, there's nothing. I'm fine. I just wanted to tell you about, about how awesome my faith is. Um, hold on. So, <laughs> okay. So what I want to share with you is actually... Um, you know, this doesn't matter, so just forget it, because it's okay. And what happens is the more and more things go wrong in the world, the more and more we're controlled by something that you and I were called to handle. And so what I want to share with you this morning is how we're called to be peacemakers. Pastor Miriam shared an amazing message last week, and it really spoke, I think, to a lot of different people, to me, to everyone in this church, about how we need to be the difference in this world. I want to encourage you with a scripture before I start. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gives, did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Read this for a second. Because sometimes I caught myself misreading this once. And it changed the way I looked at this scripture. It says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear. Doesn't that sound sometimes like it could be one or the other? It almost sounds to me like, oh, hey, you know, it was one. Like, he didn't give us that spirit of fear, but he gave us one of peace, power, love, and a sound mind, right? It almost sounds like an, an either-or statement. It's not. It's an exclusion. He's saying that spirit that you have is not one of fear. There is no option. There is no other one that you could have. If it's from God, it doesn't have fear. It has power, it has love, and it has self-control. Now tell me something. If we really operated in that spirit boldly and with faith and with confidence, with peace, with power, do you think the world would not notice Christians as much? I don't think so. The goal of my message today is to empower you to be a light in the darkness with the help of the Holy Spirit. I call it defeating the death ball. I am aware this is a death star. It's also a beach ball. Paul. They tried to change my notes because they thought I was crazy. So, three ways that the Holy Spirit is going to empower us to destroy the death ball, to overcome the darkness in the world, and to be the light that people need so desperately. So, the first thing, and each of these points, they build on each other, okay? So, it's a cumulative thing. The first thing that I believe we need to embrace from the Holy Spirit, He gives us peace. Now, this is very important to say, God's peace is irrespective of everything that's going on around you. My peace as a human being, well, if, you know, my, my significant other's having a bad day, or maybe I had a lousy day at work, or maybe I got cut off on the way home and it just ruined my whole afternoon, what have you, our peace seems to be very much based on our circumstances, right? God's peace doesn't change and therefore, if we tap into it, our peace will never be dependent on all the junk that happens in this world. 
How do I know that this is true? James 1, verse 2. Consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Huh? Joy, trials. That seems kind of weird to me. I don't like trials. They're not fun. Do I have peace emotionally and in the flesh? Uh-uh. No, I don't. But then James is telling me I have to have joy in it. Why? Because my joy comes from Jesus. Everything that Jesus promised us, the Holy Spirit delivers on. Write that down. Everything Jesus promised us, the Holy Spirit delivers on. So I'm going to share two verses with you because I don't usually share a lot of verses, but I feel like I need to today. Is that okay with you guys? Yes? You taking notes in here? Awesome. John 16, 14. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So Jesus is telling everybody, hey, whatever he gives you, I gave him to give to you, right? So the Holy Spirit is like the way that God accomplishes things on this earth. Okay, so keep that in mind because now John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace that you and I are entitled to was given to us by Jesus and is given to us through the Holy Spirit. It is a peace that is unchanging. It is a peace that has a firm foundation in the only person who will never change ever. And if we rest our souls on that peace, we're going to be able to change this world. But we can't do it from a disrupted spirit. We can't do it from a broken spirit, can we? No. One of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5.22. So the word that's translated as fruit literally means fruit of the womb and offspring. And peace is described as one of these fruits. And what does that mean? It means when I spend time with God, when he's here in my life, my life starts to look a little bit different, doesn't it? I ha- it has to. So when the Holy Spirit's a part of our life, one of the fruit that comes out of us is peace. In Hebrews 6.19, it talks about how our hope and our salvation, it is an anchor to our soul. And that word hope, it's the word in Greek, elpis. And it's translated also trust with a guarantee and confidence. Trust with a guarantee and confidence. That word confidence kind of, kind of conjures up a, another word, and it conjures up my second point inside of me. When I think of confidence, I think of the word faith. Anybody agree with me on that? I think confidence is faith. So the second thing, so the first thing we have to do is our peace is in the Holy Spirit. Our peace comes from him. He empowers us to have the peace that Jesus gives us. The second thing that we do after we've become peaceful He gives us faith. So now think of it, right? I'm calm. I'm rested. I know that God is in control. I have this inner peace about me that nothing in this world can shake, that no amount of this stuff can really distract me from the peace that God gives me. And now from that peace, I need to build my faith. So if you don't think you have faith in here, well, guess what? If you believe in Jesus, you have faith. The Holy Spirit gives you faith to believe in him, to call on his name for your salvation. So everyone who calls on the name of Jesus has faith. But what happens is we have to grow our faith, don't we? It's not something that just like, oh, here, (laughs) you want more faith? Enjoy. 
John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will instruct you regarding all things and cause you to remember everything that I have told you. Our faith is based on what Jesus said, isn't it? Everything that he said builds our faith. He is described as the word of God. I know that the Bible is the word of God. They are the words that he spoke to me, and they are the words that are going to spurn up my faith. Because Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know how you can build your faith? You spend time reading his word. You know how you can build your faith? You spend time praying for the people who are hurting. You spend time praying for this junk that's trying to hold on to you so that you can hold on to it and that you can start pushing it away and that you have complete control over what's going on in your life. Here at Church Alive, one of the core values that we have is that we speak faith. We are a church that has a language of faith because the language of Heaven is faith. We speak life. I meant to say, we speak life here at Church Alive. And it's a faith-based language. That language of life. (laughs) I got all excited. I looked at my notes quick. Give me a break. And the last thing about faith that I want to share with you is that faith isn't something that I exercise just to help a situation. Faith isn't something that I exercise, you know, just to change my circumstances. Faith is something that protects me from what's trying to come my way. So, there is a very real enemy in this world. There is a very real spirit that wants to destroy, that wants to kill, that wants to sow mayhem everywhere it goes. It is very, very real. And guess what? That same spirit's throwing junk at us. He's throwing death balls at us. He's trying to get us to not pay attention, and he's trying to distract us, Don't hit my water. (laughs) And he's trying to distract us from what's going on in this world. Now, if I can speak stuff, but I can't speak faith, what's going to happen? I'm going to keep getting hit. And I'm going, why is my faith going down? Lord, what's happening? My glasses are coming off. Why? Look, Ephesians 6 says and describes this thing called the armor of God, right? armor of God that we have. It describes the various pieces that God has given us to protect us while we're in battle, not while we're hiding behind the keyboards waiting for something to happen. You and I have something called the shield of faith. Now, when, when I was younger and I would hear the shield of faith, uh, faith because I played video games, I would think of this shield that you held like this, and it was like round, right? Because that's a shield, you know, you know, you know, like that, right? No. A Roman shield was six feet tall, had a pointed bottom on the ground, and had an arm brace that went down your entire forearm, some of them. And what you did was when the enemy started attacking, you were already marching forward. You stopped. You sunk your shield into the ground so it wouldn't move. And guess what? That shield completely covered you from all that junk that's trying to get thrown your way. And what happens? You can give that a clap. But what happens? Sometimes I'm getting hit with a lot of this, and I need to just stay put for a second and remind myself of who I believe in and what I'm doing and where I am and why I'm moving forward. And then eventually it'll stop. And then I go, oh, I can get up again. And then I can keep walking forward. That's what we're called to do. We don't have the armor so that I, there's nothing that covers your back. Do you realize that? 
The armor of God, everything is in the front. Your feet shod with the gospel. All of that covers the front. You know why? You're not supposed to retreat. You're not supposed to hide. You're not supposed to wait for stuff to get better. You're supposed to be the reason things get better. We can't be people who sit back and wait for God to change things. We need to realize that we have the authority to, and you and I have the only one who can behind our backs because he is behind us. He is our protection back there. So if I've got peace and I know that no matter what happens, things are going to be all right. Things are going to work out. God is in control. I am not shaken by what happens. And now if I build my faith so I really believe that God is going to do what he said he was going to do and that God wants to save every single person in this world and that he doesn't want people to hurt and feel pain and feel suffering and feel rejected, that he does not want that, then that's going to spurn something in me. And that leads me to my third point. He gives us boldness and he gives us power. Boldness and power. In Matthew 5, Jesus is sharing the Beatitudes with his people, with his disciples. And he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You and I were called to be a part of this world. He didn't ever tell us to stay back there. Never. You and I are called to be out there. How do I know that? Romans 10, 14 to 17. Paul wrote this to the Roman church, and I think it is so appropriate for this morning. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We got a job to do. We got a job to do because guess what? There's a lot of confused, hurting people in this world. Every person wants peace. Every person wants what you and I have access to. And they don't know where to look for it. I was at a concert last night. 50,000 people to see Coldplay at MetLife. And they did a wave. First, the bottom row, the 100 level did a wave. The second row did a wave. Then the third row did a wave. They did it for 10 minutes. And everyone was like, ooh, and laughing. 50,000 people of every race, of every color, of every belief were there having a good time. Then the band, they talked about wanting to have love in the world and peace in the world. And everyone was like, yeah. And then I get outside and I see people stealing wristbands, cutting each other off, fighting, hitting each other almost with cars. That was cute for five minutes until you had to do something about it. We're called to be bold. We're called to be wise in how we're bold. How do I know we're called to be bold? You can, you can take a look at these four verses in Acts, and these are just four that I picked out. Acts 4.13, Acts 4.31, Acts 14.2 and 3, 
in Acts 28.31. So Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Astonished courage. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders, boldness and power in that one. And then finally, the last one in in, uh, Acts 28, 31. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. When the church started, they were bold because they had something to be bold about because they knew the one who changed them. They knew the reason why they were letting themselves be murdered, letting themselves be beaten, and still spreading the good news of the gospel. Why? Because they were bold. Because the Holy Spirit was with them. He gave them his peace. He gave them his faith. And then all of a sudden now, they became bold. And you and I are sitting in this place today because of those men who didn't keep their mouths shut when things got rough. Our boldness comes from our reassurance of our salvation. Hebrews 6.19, I said it earlier. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I love that. Firm and secure. Peace. Unshaking. Unwavering. The power that you and I have that it talks about in the Holy Spirit, that it actually had in that verse from Acts. Romans 8.11 says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That word power is dunamis power. That's the Greek word that they use, that they translate as power that we receive from the Holy Spirit. It means power, strength, ability, authority, and might. See, God's not going to send you out in the world to change it if he doesn't give you the tools to change it. He's not going to send you out unprepared. He's not going to send you out ill-equipped to change the world. He gave us his armor. He gave us his Holy Spirit, who is our comforter. He gave it to us. He doesn't barter with us for it. Willingly and freely, God gave us the power, the authority, the faith, and the peace to change this world for him. And I can share something with you. We don't have any place behind that keyboard. We don't have any place behind the front of our social media. Jesus, in John 17, when Jesus was going through what would be the last points of his life. In John 17, he starts praying for different people. And in John 17, verses 15 to 18, Jesus prays for you and me. He prays for his disciples. And he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them, you and me, into the world. It's unnerving a little bit. We're called to be out there in the middle of this stuff. 
But we're called to handle it, not be controlled by it. So I want to ask you a question. What would it look like if people everywhere took up his peace, built their faith, got bold, and spoke with power and authority over the junk in this world that's trying to control it, and let people know that in the midst of all the pain of all the hurt, that God loves them with a love that they could never understand, that God already gave his best for them 2,000 years ago, and that there will be trouble, there will be all these things that try to come against us and will be hard-pressed on every side, but we will not give up. We will not falter. We will not stray because we have someone guiding us. So, what would it look like if Christians everywhere did that? Well, to me, what it would look like is darkness deflating and light coming out of it. You and I are called to be the light of the world. Not to have our light hidden by all the junk that's trying to control us, but to have it high so that all the world can see. A city set on a hill cannot be destroyed. Luke destroyed the Death Star. He dealt a blow to the Death Star. Why? Because he was guided by something bigger than him called the Force. And that Force guided him on a mission that was improbable, that seemed like he was completely outnumbered and outmanned. And he, by the guidance of that Force, sent a perfect shot and he debilitated something that by all real reality he should never have been able to do. This isn't a movie, folks. This is real life. The Holy Spirit from Jesus, he does all that and so much more for us. What would it look like if everyone everywhere started doing this? I guarantee you the world would look like a different place. I guarantee you that when tragedy happens, people will run to Christians for reassurance. People will be asking me to pray for them. People will be asking me about who this Jesus is that I serve because my hope isn't faltered by it. I'm encouraged by it. Because I know that God is changing lives when people respond to him. So I'd like to do something very practical this morning, if you wouldn't mind. I'd like all of us to take 30 seconds right now. You have connect cards in front of you. Hopefully you're taking notes on a phone, in a notebook, or something like that. Peace, faith, boldness, power. What is your next step to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a peacemaker in this world. I'd like all of us to take 30 seconds and think through that and write it down. I'm not going to ask you to share it. If you want to write it on your Connect card for us to pray for you for it, do that. Absolutely. So let's take 30 seconds and let's think through that together. while you're writing, I'll just share with you quickly what God put on my heart about that. And it was actually the last week when Pastor Miriam was speaking. And she said something, and the second she said it, it just reverberated inside my heart. And it's this word called indifference. It seems like my method of dealing with things is almost to shut down a little bit. To almost not let it affect me as much as I know it should. 
And I think that that has to do a little bit with my faith needing to grow more. The second she said that, I was like, oh, man. Because I realized that with all the things that are going on lately, I've had the same reaction. Instead of being, you know, like outraged or being like more, like I feel like I need to grow in that. For, so for me, my next step out of this message is taking my faith to a next level so that when things like this happen, that I can respond empathetically with people, that I can sympathize with people and grieve and feel the pain that people have and be there to be a light where they need it to be. Amen? Now, maybe you're in here today and your next step is actually believing in Jesus for the first time, for the only time. Maybe you don't know him in here. And maybe your next step this morning is to accept the peace, the grace, the faith that he has waiting for you. Maybe you need to call in the name of Jesus in the times where it hurts and in the times where it doesn't make all the sense in the world or anything like that, but maybe right now you feel God pulling on your heart. It's because you have the faith to do it. You just have to take that next step, and you have to accept him. So in a moment, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes, and we're going to say a prayer together as a church. And if you want to make him your Lord and Savior this morning, I invite you to say that prayer with us. And it's nothing fancy, it's nothing long, but it's how we express our faith in him. Romans 10, 13 says that whoever so, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if that's you in this place, you can say this prayer with us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and say this with me. Jesus, I give you my heart. I believe that you lived a perfect life that you died, and that you rose again. I believe that you saved me and that I will live forever with you. I give you my life. I give you all of me. Today I am a Christian. Help me to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask if anyone said that prayer for the first time, if you could slip your hand up this morning. We're not going to embarrass you. I see that hand. We're not going to call you up to the front, but we just want to pray for you and believe that today is the day that changed. Amen. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? I'll wait a couple more seconds here. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you call us to be a light in the darkness. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us, who strengthens us, who builds our faith, who gives us boldness, and who gives us power to be world changers. So, Lord, we know, God, that this world needs you. So I pray, Jesus, that we could each be lights in the darkness, Father God, that we could each grow and take our next steps, Lord God, so that we could shine our light even brighter, so that people, when they're hurt, when they're scared, they can see you, they can run to you, and they can find you. I thank you for that hand that went up this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you spoke today. Bless your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.